gosh. Is this not the most amazing camp Whoa. you have ever seen? This is so cool. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another bonus episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous, with two of the executive producers slash showrunners on the new Netflix series, uh, that would be Scott Kramer and Aaron Hammersley. I was very excited to bring them onto the podcast today. You know, between the two of them, they are known for producing such titles as Kung Fu Panda, Legend of Awesomeness, Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Awards, uh, Star vs. the Forces of Evil, and Scare Tactics. And of course, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous is the latest to add to the list, and it's a pretty good one at that. Today, I chat with the two of them about the choices surrounding canon, uh, some of the dinosaurs in the show, of course, the art style as well, the score, and so much more. And don't worry, it is completely spoiler-free. We talk a lot about uh, different things, but we try not to touch on any spoilers at all, so you guys can enjoy this one before the show hits on September 18th. Now, before we get started, I did want to mention, in case you didn't get a chance to check them out already, but myself and Tom Fishenden had the chance to view the show early, so we put together a video review slash podcast kind of thing featuring all of our non-spoiler thoughts on the show. It's a feature-length podcast, so please enjoy that one. Uh, We also have a shorter review, also produced by Tom, for a quicker hit if you want to do that. And then we also have Tom's written review over on our website, JurassicParkPodcast.com. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into my conversation with Scott Kramer and Aaron Hammersley, executive producers and showrunners on Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. is what camp's about who's with me all right so welcome to the show guys i'm i'm sure you must be thrilled uh obviously to be on the brink of people finally seeing your show uh for the first time and binging it like all weekend long how you guys feeling you you doing good yeah i mean we've been on this thing for a couple of years at this point and so (laughs) finally be this close to other people seeing it yeah i'm excited i'm excited you know I, i i think we did a I really like the show, you know, so I hope uh, other people agree. I don't like it that much, so I'm fine. <laughs> this took a turn right off the top. Paycheck, I, I, I am getting paid. This is fine. It's fine. Yeah. I don't work from home right now, so, so it's good. <laughs> awesome. So... I I ask this question to each and every person that comes on the show. It's very difficult. So, you know, take some time to think about it. Uh, It's a very serious question. So if you guys were stuck together in a kitchen with a velociraptor, what would you do? And uh, would you make it out alive? Uh, I would probably go for the ice cream right away. Um, You know, I would, I would, you know, just... I think they had mint. Was it mint ice cream that they were that they were eating in the in the not in the kitchen scene, but after? Yeah, you know after. that's even too deep for me. I don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I always thought it was mint. I was right. like, oh, that looked really good. It was like half melted too, but <laughs> but I I probably you know it's like last meal. I'm gonna have my last meal, and it's gonna be mint ice cream. I think. So, yeah, yeah, I guess I'd probably. Uh, 
Trip Aaron. Uh, <laughs> let, either the Raptors going to take out him, or maybe slip on the the ice cream, and then I'm probably going to, you know, I'm sure we'll have a, a, a meaningful look, and then I would, <laughs> uh, I would run away. Yeah, one of you's got to be bait, so it's I guess it's got to be Aaron. Here. Might yeah. as well be him if he's going for the ice cream. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. You trip me. I eat the ice cream. I watch you leave and I go, clever guy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And that's why you guys are, are, are showrunners and executive producers here. So I like that. I like that. So tell us a little bit. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your, uh, your roles here for Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Well, gosh, it's a, uh, it's a big, giant machine uh and we try to keep it on the tracks uh basically i mean uh aaron and i have worked together before uh back in nickelodeon we were on uh uh, kung fu panda legends of awesomeness you know i come from the writing side aaron comes from the art side um so you know there's just uh, a lot to do so we're it's our job to sort of put all the members of our amazing crew of our team in a position to succeed mm-hmm. and uh, try to make some good decisions along the way. And uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully uh, just uh, keep, keep it, keep it going and uh, come out with something that we're all proud of. Nice. Yeah. I always think of like executive uh, producer and like supervising roles is like, you're the, you're the goalie. And, you know, you sort of have to set parameters for like, like what things you can and cannot allow inside of a show in order for it to like stay um, on the mark tonally. And I think that that's sort of the big thing is like, yes, we, we do a lot of stuff, you know, like Scott's obviously deeply involved in the writing and but oversees, you know, the, the storyboarding and and, you know, the the records and, and the design and, you know, from, from the step one all the way to the end, you know, he, he's very involved. And, and I, I, my bigger, my biggest contribution is, is like on the story side with the storyboarding, building the animatics, getting those things tied down. Um, and then uh, we do obviously a lot of stuff in post-production with working with our, our composer and, you know, working out the animation and, and it's, it really is sort of like, you're just a goalie all the way through the the pipeline, making sure things are feeling like the show feeling totally correct, you know? Yeah. So with the, you know, you, you mentioned some of those constraints and stuff that you have to deal with. Is that easier or, or harder when it comes to something like eight episodes, you know, the show has eight episodes, right? So does that make it easier or harder to kind of narrow down? Huh. Well, you know what? It's less about the eight episodes and the fact that this is classic. You know, I mean, <laughs> I really want to. First and foremost, this is a crew full of fans. Like before, any of us worked on this show, we were yeah. all <laughs> pretty much all fans of the show. So, you know, job one is really not to mess it up, and so I think <laughs> we spent a lot of time trying to get it that way you know mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to we're trying to hit the tone 
of, of the movies. And so that's not easy to do. What is nice is you do have eight episodes just coming from the story side. You know, we've really tried to focus on these characters and uh, having eight episodes to to see where they start and how they uh, how they uh, finish is, uh, you know, it's nice having that that kind of space. There are plenty of times where it's like, wow, it'd be nice to have 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other times it's like, oh, you know, seven. Uh, but yeah, so uh, <laughs> there, there, there is a lot, but it, it, it's, it's, it's fun being able to tell that, that story o- over, over time, I guess. Yeah. Well, that, that's a nice transition because I, I, a lot of the, 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 you know, pre-discussion, you know, leading up to the release and everything has been about the timeline of the show. Like, yeah. when does it take place? Is there anything before? Is there anything after the, like, the event of Jurassic World? Um, so that's been a huge discussion point. So how did you go about narrowing down that timeline to get it where you have it now? Was that something that was kind of difficult? Well, I mean... I think Zach Stems, who originally had the idea to uh, for the concept, who uh, wrote Thor and, and X Men First Class, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we I, th- I heard him put it. It's like the writers. We basically went over the movie Jurassic World as if it were the Zapruder film, uh, <laughs> and like frame by frame. What does it make sense? Where can we insert our characters where we're not breaking continuity, but where we can intersect with the events of, of, of this film and also wherever possible, give a nod uh, to past films. So uh, it was just a lot of like legit, sorry, there's my dogs, uh, <laughs> figuring out logistically what we could do and also you know, what are the big ticket items that we want to see that we've seen in the films? What are some stuff we haven't seen in the films? Uh, so it was, it's like a, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle almost, but you know, when the writer home, we had maps of the Island all over the walls. We were constantly watching the film and, and constantly just trying to figure out what made sense what lent it to, uh, we didn't want to break the canon. We, we wanted to be as true as we could, mm-hmm. uh, what has been established previously. So yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of, lot of watching movie, watching Jurassic movies and talking a lot, you know, it sounds yeah. pretty good. In retrospect, so. <laughs> hey, I get it. That's, that's exactly yeah, what I like doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had to imagine that that timeline is kind of tough. Like we we're saying, it's it's eight episodes and you have to fit a certain amount of stuff. You have to tell your own story, but you also have right. to weave in and out of the, the Jurassic World story. And I just love the way that you guys did that, the way that you kind of pinpointed times, you know, on the timeline where you're like, hey, this is where we are now. And then we're going to move past that. That was really cool. I, I felt like that must have been a little tough to kind of weave your story in and out of. But that, you guys just nailed it. It was awesome. Oh, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate that very much. Now, you mentioned canon. Uh, so that's uh, I want to skip ahead and talk about that real quick because that's something, another talking point that we all wonder. Um, and, I, you know, it's kind of been said here and there, but just give us, just lay it out, right? This is this is full canon, right? With the rest yeah. of the movies and everything. 100%. I, okay. I, I, you know, Colin Trevorrow was very involved all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. Like, he had told us early on it was always his dream to be in a Hollywood writer's room. And it's like, <laughs> well, TV animation, we'll take it. Well, I don't know if we're officially a big Hollywood writer's room, 
with our few writers uh, just uh, doing what we can. Uh, but that's, you know, Colin came in. He worked with us. Zach Stems came in. Uh, we all worked together to establish what we could do, what we couldn't do, what to stay away from, because as we're doing it, Colin was writing Dominion. So uh, what's coming up, what steps on something that might be coming up. So, so yeah, this was, it, it is our intent that this is absolutely full canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it feels like that. It, like it really does. I, you know, I watched through the entire thing and I'm like, all right, there, I don't see anything that really strays away or makes me question anything. Uh, so th- I thought that was really good. That was awesome. And I think a lot of fans will be really pleased about that. Um, and yeah, it made me wonder, like, is there any Easter egg or anything that like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to give away too many spoilers or anything at all. But like, was there one Easter egg that maybe you want to mention that was like, you know, something you really loved adding into the show? Boy, I don't want to be spoilery. I know, uh, I know. Yeah, Maybe so, something that was in the trailer. Is there anything in the trailer that was an Easter egg? That was an Easter egg in the trailer. <laughs> God, I don't know. Can you think of anything, Aaron? Um, uh, not off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't want. I really, I just want people to yeah. go and see it. And you know, I'm sure there'll be. You know, your your listeners and viewers, there'll be people tearing apart and, you know, minutiae and, and that. And that's, you know, that's why we feel a tremendous responsibility to get it as close to right as we could. They're out there. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was pleasantly surprised with all the things like literally from the start to the finish, there's just little things sprinkled throughout. And I think it's uh, something that people are going to have to watch multiple times over to, to catch all those little details. Um, So you mentioned, I'm sorry. One of the things that's like, you want to do those nods, but you don't want to shoehorn them in there. You don't want to force it. You know, I, I think uh, as Aaron has talked uh, about uh, being that goalie and, uh, you know, always having an eye on, is this too, are we going too far for, you know, fan <laughs> service? Are we going too quippy? Uh-huh. Are we, you know, when we're, we're really trying to tell this grounded story. Yeah. So that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah. I think that our parameters were, were, um, if it made sense to put in these Easter eggs within the story that we were already sort of crafting, mm-hmm. then we, you know, we certainly did, and we would find opportunities to insert those moments. Um, but in it, we never wanted wanted to shoehorn it. So, yeah, yeah. there it is. So I think one of the things that you guys had a, a good handle on and creating this this greater world uh, for Jurassic World, you know, when we first saw uh, Jurassic World in the theaters, there's that wonderful uh, shot coming out of the hotel room uh, with Gray. And he's just like, I don't want to wait anymore. And, and you just see the entirety of the park, right? You get to see everything. And of course, the movie focused on a lot of that stuff, but it didn't get to weave in and out of everything. Uh, was there, or how important, I guess, was it for you guys to visit new locations, to build out that world a little bit and and create your own version, I guess, of Jurassic World? Yeah, I mean, it was. We wanted to hit the place, you know, you see the, uh, you know, we go to the Mosasaurus Lagoon, you see that in the trailer. and But we did want to establish our own thing. You know, we... We and part of it also was out of necessity, you know. I guess <laughs> the way that you know the shark didn't work in Jaws, and then Spielberg, you know, created this whole mood mm-hmm. with it. It's like 
we are, you know, we're not a feature and we don't, we, we, we don't have, we can't have a thousand extras and we can't build up every single location. And, mm -hmm. you know, we built a lot and we were lucky to get a lot of the models from ILM of different, you know, we had to simplify them, whether it's the sure. dinosaurs or different sets uh -huh. to work on the TV pipeline. Uh, but yeah, we wanted to like, what's it like in the places you didn't get to see? What are the some of the rides that uh, that Zach and Gray didn't get to go on? Well, mm -hmm. where are other places? And also, part of it is we couldn't be where the action of the movie was at that time. You know, mm -hmm. we wanted to be close to it. We wanted to acknowledge it and wherever possible, you know, intersect with it. But like I said, just not in a way to break the canon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And and you mentioned the um, like the ILM assets and stuff. So you got to work uh, hand in hand with that kind of stuff and make sure that these dinosaurs specifically, because like that's the that's one of the main things. You can kind of uh, you know work your way through some buildings and creating the atmosphere and everything, but the dinosaurs have to be spot on, right? So I, I think that was again that was awesome. It was nailed. Some look like a little bit softer than the versions we see in the films, but I think that's uh, that's just what you're going to have in an animated show. But they look beautiful. They look so good. Um, talk about the the design of the dinosaurs. Um, how did you go about choosing some of those dinosaurs for the show, uh, especially since a lot of these dinosaurs weren't really seen in Jurassic World? Yeah, well, I mean, we, again, you, we could only choose so many. So... <laughs> Like, okay, we got ourselves a Brachiosaurus because you want that. But, uh -huh. well, we got a Brachiosaurus, so we can't also do an Apatosaurus. You know, you kind of had to, to pick and choose from the different the, the different types of dinosaurs that are out there. So, uh -huh. um, so uh, yeah, as far as the designs, you know, we, we did start with the ILM uh, models and then our amazing design team just basically built them from the ground up and they were a little, a little stylized. You can see that the eyes are a little bigger or maybe <laughs> some of the features. Wouldn't you say that Aaron, that some of the features are, are a little more exaggerated, but yeah, they look, look pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, I think actually the bigger, the biggest thing that we did was just like a sort of a simplification pass mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, the amount of uh, textures and, and surfaces, it's just um, more than a TV production could handle, but I don't think it's that noticeable. I think like, mm -hmm. like you know, we found a, a happy medium where we were still able to keep the fidelity of these dinosaurs, um, <clears throat> but just a slightly simpler version of it, which I think actually helped as well because, you know, when you have um, more realistic dinosaurs with the textures and, and the anatomy, um, you know, like marrying that with the character designs of our humans, you know, you have to, you have to be really mindful of that because, you know, the, the real danger is like with the human characters, you can get into this like uncanny valley territory where things look so close to being human that, um, that like, our eyes just sort of reject it if it's not like perfectly animated. Mm -hmm. So the attempt was sort of like marrying these two worlds, which is, you know, the design of the humans and then the design of the dinosaurs. So yeah. in that regard, you know, we, we, um, we, we tried to, to keep that in mind. And, you know, with the, with the dinosaurs are a little simpler and like, 
you know, Scott was saying, slightly larger uh, eyes and things like that for the expressiveness of, of characters. And then with, you know, the, the humans, it was like, you know, just exaggerating, you know, facial features and, and um, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, one of the nervous things I remember going back was we had these realistic, you know, dinosaurs. We had this realistic jungle. Mm-hmm. And then, so we had all that. And then we're creating these stylized human characters. We don't necessarily know if it's going to work. Like, uh-huh. we don't know if they're going to feel of the same world. And I'm not sure what we would have done had they not, uh, because <laughs> we were down the road. It's like, well, it kind of has to work. And, uh, and luckily, yeah. yeah, exactly. But that was some. It's like, I just remember keep asking, like, okay, when are we going to see Darius in the jungle? When are we going to see Brooklyn next to a raptor? <laughs> um, so luckily it ended up working out. Uh, yeah. Thankful. Yeah. I love that. You know, just the way that everything blends. It's so seamless. It, it, You can honestly pop some of these dinosaurs and stuff right off the, this screen here into a movie. I think it all works really, really well. Um, everything just works hand in hand. We were all worried, I think, like, because this is our first time having an animated series. You know, anything different than live action uh, in the Jurassic yeah. franchise. So it, it was a unique experience that we were all hoping and keeping our fingers crossed that this works. And this is something that we can believe and, and really feel works within the confines of the films. Um, and actually, you know, speaking of those character designs and stuff, I feel like things must've changed at some point because when that poster was released right back last year, sometime, it almost looked like sure. the characters were a bit different than they ended up out today. Yeah, they, they were. I mean, a lot of that stuff is just straight up concept art. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, you know, that was before we got into modeling or into CG or anything like that. So that was definitely more cartoony characters and uh, and some of some of them, uh, some of the ethnicities there changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, yeah, that was that was that was concept art that people that people liked. Then so they put it out there. I mean, there was the uh, there was the one that that got the uh, the raptor that uh, was kind of the first teaser mm-hmm. that got out of the Raptor coming toward, but that was a, that was an animation test <laughs> and then people got really excited by oh, it. Yeah. And then like, okay, well there, there now we got a teaser. <laughs> so it's like a lot of this stuff is just pre-production uh, that, uh, you know, we wanted to get out in front of the fans. I think yeah. that was a funny moment actually was when, when we had finished that first test because, you know, we're, we're it just takes so long to animate and composite and all that mm-hmm. stuff and so we got that first test and we were like oh this is great you know this <laughs> the jungle looked so good and and watching the raptor like how it was being animated and just the atmosphere it was creating we we're like oh this is so good and then you know we were able we we showed the executives and everything and they loved it so much that all of a sudden it was like oh we're really right. here. Oh, it's on the internet. Yeah. This is happening now. So that's that amazing. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of the animation, just a big shout out to Dan Godinez and his team who have done just masterful job in, in getting the, the subtle acting out of out of the dinosaurs, you know, as well as the human characters, you know. Yeah. Where we've been able to do a lot 
you know, even though I'm a writer, if we can do something with as little dialogue as possible at times, and you can't always do that if you don't get that great face acting from, mm -hmm. from a character. And we've been very, very lucky to have Dan and his team because we've been able to achieve that. Yeah. I, I I loved the way everything was blended together. It all looked so good. Um, I want to go to the dinosaurs again. Um, stuff yeah. like, you know, we, you talked about the Brachiosaurus. That is such, I love that that was included here because it's not something we actually saw in Jurassic World. You know, of course we have, you know, you mentioned you have maps all over the place. We, we have maps and stuff that tell us they were in the island, but we never actually got to see them until the second film. And so yeah. stuff like that was really cool, I think, for me as a fan. And, you know, you, you see the Sinoceratops in there and it's like, oh, this this is a nice way to to bridge a gap and kind of answer some questions for Fallen Kingdom. And same thing with like the Carnotaurus. That's I think that was really like a brilliant way to kind of bridge that gap and, and uh, create a more cohesive universe for those two films specifically. Oh, well, cool. I mean, we were definitely keeping that in mind. And like I said, we're limited in, in how many dinosaurs, you know, mm -hmm. ideally you'd love to throw them all in there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but we did. And we definitely, that was the choice to do Sinoceratops was, was to marry it to Fallen Kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, absolutely. Um, so, and Brachiosaurus, it's just, you know, you know, I mean, obviously the, we refer a lot to Jurassic World, but, you know, at its heart, you know, we look back to the original film. And you need that. You need a brachiosaurus. Otherwise, yeah. what the heck are we doing? Here, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's really like the 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 main dinosaur. One of the main dinosaurs you think about when you talk about the awe and the beauty of these dinosaurs, and and the way you bring it into the show is exactly in that same uh, frame of mind. So that was that was that was awesome. Um, but yeah. I got to say, another another dinosaur that's that's pretty cool, uh, pretty awesome. I think is Bumpy. Bumpy's amazing. <laughs> Bumpy. Uh, yeah, you know, Bumpy turned out to be so much cuter than I could ever imagine. Like, uh -huh. just um, so, uh, yeah, we, we love Bumpy. And, you know, and again, it's you're walking a line because you want uh -huh. it can't be scrappy do. You know, we, Bumpy <laughs> needs to still be an animal. I mean, it's, it's tricky with all, with all the dinosaurs because you don't want to anthropomorphize them. You, you do want them to behave like animals. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bumpy, you know, we, we kept saying, okay, well, here's the, I guess this is our baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Bumpy, Bumpy is great. Uh, yeah. I really, love, uh, I, you know, I'm a big, big Bumpy fan. Yeah. How, yeah, how did you, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, like like Scott was saying, the the real trick, in, especially in animation, because we're all coming from like animated series, is like not going too far with anthropomorphizing our, our dinosaurs, especially one that you're spending more time with and, you know, Bumpy almost being like a pet. Like it's very easy to go into that territory of of you know, treating it like it's a dog or something right. or, mm -hmm. or giving it more agency or like, you know, more intellect than it probably ought to have. So that was a big thing for us to just watch out for that is making sure that we're not going too far, but also keeping the appeal of that character um, in alive. Um, so it was, it was definitely a balance, balancing act with a character like that. Yeah. yeah. But she, she is great when we love her. 
So I'm glad <laughs> you like <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, uh, it's good to hear you talk about you know towing that line between you know not anthropomorphizing. Uh, I can't even say that word. You know what I'm saying? Uh, making her too, you know, like like a human or a dog or something like that. So I think a lot of uh, fans will be happy about that. That conversation still happens with you know dinosaurs like Blue and and others too. So it's good to hear you talk that way. Um, but how did you go about choosing a, a baby Ankylosaurus? Was that something that you debated over? Was there any other dinosaurs that you ever you know opted for? or was it just that one you know what i mean again this zach stents predates both aaron and i yeah. on, on, on the project <laughs> so when, when i got involved you should you know get zach in here and talk to him about it but sure yeah. it's always a baby ankylosaurus uh-huh. and then we, we love the idea about you know the the asymmetry that to, to set her apart and uh so yeah i wish i could answer that one but <laughs> But we saw no reason to change it because yeah. uh, she's pretty great. Well, and you see that design and it's so cute that yeah. why would you, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I, you know, I have, um, what do I have? I le- have at least one bumpy toy. Have you guys gotten your hands on some of those uh, Camp Cretaceous toys at any point during the uh, creation of the show? Uh, we my, took my kids to McDonald's over the weekend uh, <laughs> and bought the uh, Bumpy Happy Meal toys. We haven't gotten the big stuff yet, um, but uh, yeah, so we, we it's a pretty good. Uh, came a little egg, really, really thought mm-hmm. it was pretty sweet. I know I haven't I haven't gone yet. I need to go to at least go get the Happy Meal toys. But but I've also seen like uh you know like Scott you you. Uh, sent us an image of like the displays at Target. Mm-hmm. You know that there's like already like a ton of toys out there, which is really a little bit surreal because yeah. I've never been on a series where um, they made toys based off of those <laughs> characters. <laughs> you know, it's just like it doesn't happen that that often. So uh-huh. seeing that it. Uh, I, I, my, my little brain can't actually fathom that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we got our happy meals on the way down to sunset Boulevard so we could eat our happy meals and look up at the dueling billboards. On, oh on the yeah. Sun. And this is like, yeah, this is all, this is, I've been doing this a long time. This is all new for me. Uh, mm. This is like a, a really, yeah, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> that's cool to hear you know you know when you guys are working on all this stuff over the years you you never know from somebody on our side like is this is this new is it exciting in that way so that's really cool to hear and uh those uh, I've, I've gone to mcdonald's a few times tried to get those things i have I actually haven't found the toys yet i keep getting the books because they they're doing books well, and toys yeah. too right so. i mean i've gotten uh bumpy and uh one of our uh, directors he and his son just went down and got a toro so oh nice yeah. Might, might want to head out maybe after we're done here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the Mattel, uh, the Mattel stuff has been amazing. The stuff that you were, you know, Aaron was talking about the, the big sign and target, like walking in the target and just seeing that display, uh, you know, having Jurassic have some love is amazing. You know, seeing that stuff out and about. Yeah. yeah. And it's really, you know, fun, you know, our, our cast are just, just great great people and they're so you know i'm on this text chain with them and when it started coming out and the toys started coming out and the target things like mm-hmm. they're all losing their minds you know <laughs> about being a part of this thing too so That's like amazing. i said 
from top to bottom, we're all fans first. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it is surreal. It's it awesome. really exciting. Well, uh, we'll try to round it down here, but uh, I did want to talk about the score really quick because I think yeah. you guys mentioned it early on. Um, but the score is something that always pops out to me. Um, you know, it's just I've been so ingrained in all of these Jurassic scores since 1993. They just become so familiar. And even still today with Michael Giacchino's work, they're so familiar to me. And um, what can you tell us about the the process of adding, you know, stuff from, you know, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World as well as some some really beautiful work in between all that as well. Yeah, I mean, we're just, if you don't have the John Williams score or the Michael Giacchino score, you, you don't, it's not Jurassic. It's not going to feel <laughs> like there's, I've seen some of these episodes, I don't know, 20, 30 times. I still get chills when I hear it. And um, uh, we actually, uh, our composer, Leo Byronberg, what, did I pronounce that right? Is it Birenberg? Byronberg? I, do you know where? Burn. Burn. All right, never mind. All right, <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm going to tell him not to listen to this. Uh, yeah, don't, don't but, tell him to listen. Yeah. Leo. But Leo. He was amazing. He was actually handpicked by Michael Giacchino, you know, oh, wow. we, to, to be on the show. And thank goodness he was, because Leo is amazing. And, uh, you know, and, and has been, like you said, he blends mm -hmm. all of the Jurassic Park and the Jurassic World scores and then pluses them uh, and, and, and bridges those gaps. Uh, and while making, you know, it's like everything. We, we want this to feel of the universe, but we're also trying to tell our own story. And I think Leo's doing an amazing job helping us with that, with, with the music. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful, and yeah, like the way everything blends together, and and specifically the new stuff too. I, I'm I'm hopefully hopefully we get a chance to hear more of that in you know maybe a release or something like that. It would it would be great to hear that. I just love any kind of new Jurassic scores we can get. Oh, cool! Well, now Leo Leo's been doing such an amazing job actually marrying everything, and then like re putting his own like spin on things. Uh -huh. Like he's just like he's he's a bit of a he's a genius when it comes yeah. to like marrying these these things and then you know like these the stories we have to branch out a little bit from the the scores from yeah mm -hmm. you, know, you know from Giacchino and uh but but it's still it feels like it's it's like right in the in the pocket of mm -hmm. of like feeling very Jurassic and there's one particular episode that I think was just scored so beautifully um, when we go down into the caves and we see these um, um, Parasaurolophus. And it's just like, I remember like when we were uh, previewing the music, we, uh, we got to that part and, and he tried a few variations and then finally he, he hit it. And it was just like, it felt like you were watching the original film again because mm -hmm. you got it. Like it was, you know, one of the things that we, we really go for is like just that feeling of, of awe and, and majesty that like is so present in the original films. And, and he's, he's just, he's really great at that. So yeah, we're, I mean, we're both like incredibly grateful that we got Leo. to yeah, score. Yeah. You know, it, the the show at times is pretty, you know, emotional. 
So I think that blends perfectly. Like that moment you talked about is one that really stands out in my mind. Like I can still hear the music. I can feel that emotion of that moment. Like it wouldn't work if you didn't have like that beautiful score in there. So it, it really just nailed it. That was awesome. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, we didn't want to shy away from emotion in, in this series. And, and we didn't want to shy away from, from a lot of things, a lot of things you don't normally get to do in kids animation. Uh, and it, it's all, you know, hopefully comes together nicely for people. Awesome. So, you know, without spoilers, uh, what can we expect from the future of this show? Uh, we have one season here. Is there anything else we can expect on the horizon? Well, you never know. We're hopeful. We feel we have more stories to tell with these characters in this situation and, and to continue to watch their evolution. So, uh, you know, hopefully people will like these eight and, uh, you know, then then uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. So I'll let you guys take it away if you have any final thoughts or anything else you want to plug before we head out. Uh, anything uh, you want to relay? Uh, no, I mean, it's just uh, just know a lot of love, a lot of care, a lot of thought, a lot of really hard work by some really good people uh, went into this. And uh, it was a responsibility that none of us took lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, we know you, you can't please everybody uh, all the time, but, uh, you know, we, we, we were just trying to do justice and we, uh, we, we work really hard at it and hopefully people like it. He said it all. I don't need to add anything to that. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Scott. Um, I, I'm just so excited to, you know, to officially start talking about this show in big ways and much deeper ways. It's going to rank up there with all the rest of the projects, you know, in the Jurassic franchise. Um, I think people are in for just a, a real treat when it comes to Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. It's visually fun. It's emotional, like I said, thrilling. And honestly, I think it's everything that a Jurassic you know, a Jurassic fan could want from, you know, our first TV show. It's is exciting. So a huge thank you from myself and uh, everybody in the Jurassic fan community. So what do you say we go ahead and get out of here? Okay. Sounds good. Thanks so much for your kind words and for having us and, uh, you know, go, go out there and watch it on, on the 18th, everybody. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello. Hello. We're on our own. Thank you guys so, so much for checking out this episode. And of course, make sure you're going out there and binging Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous as soon as it hits Netflix. It's an absolute must for all Jurassic Park fans. Any age, anybody out there, go in and have some fun with it. You absolutely will not regret it. Again, please check out our full non-spoiler review of the show over on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any podcast platform out there. Please check out Tom's quick video review over on our YouTube channel. He absolutely nailed that one. And you can also find his written review over on our website, Jurassic Park Podcast. Be sure to keep your eyes on the feed and on our YouTube channel for full spoiler episodes coming very, very soon. And of course, be sure to subscribe and follow us for any and all Jurassic content at the Jurassic Park Podcast. Make sure you're following us over on social media by starting with our Twitter 
at Jurassic Park Pod, our Instagram at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook. Please go ahead and join our Facebook group. So many great chats happening in there. Please subscribe to us over on YouTube for podcast segments, toy reviews and toy hunts, uh, Jurassic Gaming, and so much more. And lastly, please head to JurassicParkPodcast.com for reviews, articles, episode show notes, and everything else related to the podcast. I appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay safe out there and enjoy Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous when it debuts on Netflix on September 18th. Thanks, everybody. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.